I invested in Twitter as I believe in its potential to be the platform for free speech around the globe, and I believe free speech is a societal imperative for a functioning democracy. Hello and welcome to The Inoculation. And today we're going to talk about Elon Musk and Twitter. Is this a disinformation nightmare? We just heard Elon Musk and one part of his filing with the American Securities and Exchange Commission, where he filed his initial bid for Twitter. Last week, Twitter's board agreed for Twitter to be bought by Elon Musk. And in the past, he was known for a very peculiar stance on, on misinformation. For example, in September 2020, he said he would not be getting vaccinated for COVID-19 on the grounds that he and his family were not at risk. And when the Canadian truckers protest happened, he tweeted, Canadian truckers rule. And, you know, basically, these are some of the things that make some people less than thrilled about this planned acquisition. Mike Ryan, the executive director of health emergencies at the WHO, um, said that misinformation costs lives. And the WHO actually made a separate statement on that when they found out that Musk is about to buy Twitter. And Daiva, I think that you also told me something that you heard on the Recode podcast. What did they say about this acquisition? Exactly. They outright called Musk a troll uh, because he was known to, for saying things that deliberately annoy people. They also said that this will be a struggle for him and the new management to ensure that uh, uh, Twitter respects the laws of uh, all the different countries where it operates, while at the same time following Musk's uh, so-called uh, freedom absolutist stance. Okay, so it seems like there's a conflict brewing and quite a decisive situation for uh, disinformation. So let's just look at... Um, some of the background and uh, some of the things that make uh, Twitter such a dangerous conduit for misinformation. And I also like to listen back into my chat with W.F. Thomas, a disinformation researcher who talked to me earlier this year about Twitter spaces and uh, why he thinks Twitter spaces, which are the audio chat rooms that Twitter set up, are actually quite a dangerous space for breeding disinformation. Twitter loves to be very opaque and unclear uh, about their algorithm, right, and how things get pushed to the top. Uh, one of the things we know is, like, when they have kind of these topics, these trending topics that will appear on someone's feed, uh, very extremist and outrageous content tends to do very well in those to get pushed to people, right? So if, if you're you know, following these, these kind of basic-level conservatives, you'll get far-right people popping up on your feed. The way the algorithm is based, it, it's based on engagement, right? And people engage with these outrageous, clickbaity, with these kind of almost cartoonish things, you know, even if it's just to say, respond and say, this is stupid, the, the algorithm still rewards that and pushes it out. It's also very unclear, you know, how things appear in that central spaces tab and how they get ordered, why something would appear higher up than something else. You know, it's probably based on Listenership is probably based on how many people are going in. I would assume, you know, they're listening to see if it's active or they have something saying. So if it's just dead air, it's not going to appear there. Okay, well, that was quite interesting. So let's take a look at which features are specific to Twitter compared to, say, Facebook or other social media. And uh, what makes these features so explosive when it comes to disinformation? 
So this is some information we found in an interesting article on the conversation. And um, we're linking to everything on our website. So if you want to read up after you've listened to the show, please go ahead. So what did what did we find? What's what's so dangerous about Twitter, Daiva? So first of all, Twitter is designed for fast-moving conversations. And uh, this piece in the conversation says, says that uh, the average half-life of a tweet is about 20 minutes uh, compared to five hours for Facebook posts and 20 hours for Instagram posts. So this, this shows that uh, uh, the conversations on Twitter are moving in real time. Okay. And I think one other problem that we have a lot, which uh, I think is not as uh, widespread on Facebook, is that there are a lot of Twitter bots. Do you want to explain to our listeners what a bot is? It's usually a code that generates a lot of tweets or or a lot of content, uh, and it can work round the clock and uh, keep tweeting in different time zones. And I think one thing we, we need to add, one thing we need to tell uh, our listeners is this is a bid. The deal still may not go through, though the chances seem low. And of course, right now, we're speculating about the changes we'll see. We don't know what Elon Musk is going to do, and we don't know what will happen. He would like to do is allow users to edit their tweets, which means that bots could possibly alter the things they're tweeting or the things they're retweeting, which means this would allow them to substantially drive disinformation on the site. Exactly. And there are some studies that claim that nearly half of accounts tweeting about COVID-19 are likely to be bots. So they could tweet something outrageous and plant it in people's minds and then alter it before any kind of uh, fact-checking or moderation kicks in, if, if ever. Right, exactly, exactly. So that, that seems quite dangerous. And um, I think one more thing that we haven't talked about yet, how does Elon Musk actually want to make money from Twitter? He wants to switch to the subscription model uh, rather than advertising. Okay, so right now Twitter makes money uh, by selling ads in its feeds. Why are subscriptions worse than advertising? I mean, it seems like, well, advertising, subscriptions, um, what, why could that make a difference? Because paying users will be even more difficult to control. Okay, because there can't be, because advertisers will not put, can't put pressure on Twitter then, as they do sometimes now. And some say that compared to other social media sites, that Twitter is actually quite aggressive in using content moderation against disinformation. Exactly. So that could be a huge change. Um, and what else do you think could be a problem? First of all, the Recode podcast also mentioned that to recoup his loans, uh, he might want to cut costs. And uh, knowing his views, cost cutting might result in uh, reducing the content moderation team. Do we know how Twitter regulates disinformation now? So on COVID-19, um, according to the statement by the company, uh, it is considered tw that tweets violate its uh, policies if they, I quote, advance a claim of fact expressed in definitive terms, are demonstrably false or misleading based on widely available authoritative sources, and are likely to impact public safety or cause serious harm. 
So in those cases, they might require customers to delete such uh, offending tweets. Or uh, for repeat offenders, they might uh, simply lock them out of their accounts. Okay, that's interesting. And they especially point out uh, vaccine disinformation. So they're basically saying false claims that suggest vaccines contain deadly or severely harmful ingredients will lead to users being suspended. What we've also heard is that Elon Musk might be um, a less stringent moderator than Twitter is now, or let's say Twitter under uh, under a Musk ownership could be a less stringent moderator. So it's important to note that there's already a lot of freedom to express uh, different outrageous views in Twitter spaces. Okay. And another thing is, of course, if you have paying subscribers, um, they might want to put pressure on you to allow somebody like Donald Trump back on Twitter who was banned. And as we know, um, Donald Trump's tweets did extremely well, accruing uh, lots of clicks, retweets, millions of retweets, millions of clicks, uh, which means this is a model that would be profitable for a subscription model versus um, an advertising-based model. So right now what we're looking at was uh, Twitter and actual tweets, but there's also Twitter spaces. Um, and this, these are basically, these are audio rooms that allow real-time chats. I talked to the researcher W.F. Thomas earlier this year, um, and he told me why he thinks Twitter spaces are um, especially dangerous. Well, the first time I realized this was going to be a problem, it was actually... I'm a misinformation researcher and I follow a lot of other misinformation researchers on Twitter. Um, But there was a Twitter space actually uh, involves talking with Nazis or breaking out of a bubble and talking with Nazis, you know, whether that was tongue in cheek or not. You know, I looked at some of the people talking and they were, you know, self described white nationalists, right. uh, Who were speaking. Uh, And that was really alarming for me. And that was, that was, you know, I think, Germans took to Twitter spaces a bit more than U.S. Americans did. You know, there's there's been this false, what I view as a false idea where, oh, we just need to talk with these people holding these extremists or these very um, out there and harmful beliefs, and, and that will bridge the gap. Actors who hold these extremist beliefs, who spread disinformation, who spread misinformation, um, they rely on that. They rely on presenting things as a debate when they have no clear intention to debate anyone who disagrees with them. Um, but it, it gives them this platform. It gives them this false equivalency or this completely ridiculous belief, uh, this completely ridiculous opinion um, deserves to be treated as equal and deserves to be talked with. Right. Okay. And one thing that's, that's been talked about a lot, do you think that Twitter will be regulated? Will it be regulated in the United States, for example, we don't know that. I think it's more likely that it will be regulated in the EU first. Right. And this is something that John Cassidy already said in The Yorker, that the EU model might be something that the US should follow. So the 27 member states of the European Union, they agreed on a new law that requires big online platforms um, to police hate speech and disinformation more effectively. Of course, we don't know how um, this law will work or if it will, at the end of the day, cut down on disinformation and hate speech. 
um, but it is a first step. EU Digital Services Act allows European governments to ask web platforms like Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube to remove content that promotes terrorism, hate speech, child sexual abuse, or commercial scams. And the platforms also will be obliged to prevent the manipulation of services having an impact on democratic processes and public security. And uh, as the law was introduced, Thierry Breton, who is the EU's commissioner for the internal market, said, the time of big online platforms behaving like they're too big to care is coming to an end. This is very timely, uh, given recent BBC's reporting that uh, the Russian government has a huge network of official Twitter accounts. Uh, the BBC found uh, more than a hundred of them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. linked to different missions and uh, embassies, and they're not subject to the same uh, regulations as uh, media. They have been retweeting and amplifying a lot of voices that uh, spread misinformation about Russia's uh, war in Ukraine. And uh, being government accounts, they're subject to different uh, type of regulation, which researchers consider a loophole in Twitter's moderation policies. Okay, so I think all in all, we can say uh, this will this will be interesting, this will continue to be interesting, and it almost seems as if more regulation could be inevitable. Um, but it's also a very multilingual market, so it still remains to be seen how platforms can find a way to manage this huge and diverse space. Okay. So stay tuned. We'll keep you updated on the latest developments. That was it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Please subscribe to our newsletter, Inoculated, and to this show on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and or any other platform of your choice. And if you're looking for transcripts, transcripts will be available at our site at www theinoculation.com. You can also find us on all major social media channels. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Bye for now.